Since uh, next Sunday is our final worship service in this building configuration, I've been thinking about some of my all-time favorite memories in this room. Uh, This room is about 45 years old, and I've been a member here at Black Rock for 35 of those years and a pastor now for 25 of those years. And so I have some sweet memories uh, of what has taken place here. Uh, I was ordained into pastoral ministry right about here. I uh, married the love of my life right about here and uh, dedicated our children right about here. And uh, right about over here was the... uh, the only uh, solo they ever gave me in a uh, Christmas musical. <clears throat> and uh, actually, it's the only Christmas musical where there were documented cases of people who accepted Jesus and lost their faith at the same time. <laughs> so I, I have uh, some all-time favorite personal memories of this space. Uh, but there's another category. Uh, there's another category that... Uh, uh, is maybe a higher category, and it's uh, my favorite all-time spiritual memories in this place. Uh, one of the favorite memories is how this mic just fell on these keys and making a uh, funny noise. So, <laughs> new new memory, isn't that great? <laughs> um, so, uh, so you know, all-time favorite spiritual memories in this place. And out of all of them, uh, all the joyful, solemn remembrances, uh, I have one all-time favorite uh, spiritual memory in this room. And it's connected to a passage of Scripture. Would you please turn your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. If you're using the Bible that's provided for you, this is on page 751. The scripture I'm about to read to you is an account of a late night conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Who is Nicodemus? Well, the scripture tells us that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which tells us several important things about him. Uh, Since Nicodemus is a Pharisee, we know that Nicodemus was born a Hebrew. Uh, He was born one of God's people. That Nicodemus was born into a ultra-religious family, and that Nicodemus was born to be a religious leader. Uh, The fact that Nicodemus is a Pharisee tells us that he owed everything he valued in his life to his birth, because in the days uh, of Jesus, uh, becoming a Pharisee was not a career path that people chose. It was something you were born into. It's not like there was, you know, career day in Hebrew school where kids got to choose whether they were going to be bankers or farmers or Pharisees. Now, in the first century, you became what you were born into. And this is especially true uh, when it came to being a Pharisee. Becoming a Pharisee uh, started with uh, not only being born into a Hebrew family, but born into the right tribe of God's people. But not only just born into the tribe of Judah or Benjamin, but being born into a family with enough money 
to fund your training under another Pharisee starting at the age of 13. Well, Nicodemus was born into the right family with the right heritage, with the right resources, and Nicodemus ran with it. Uh, And he wasn't just religious, he was super religious. Nicodemus was on the temple ruling council, uh, which means that he had reached the religious peak for which he was born, and he was just a promotion or two away from becoming the high priest over all God's people. He was such an exalted religious leader that he chose to preserve his reputation by coming to Jesus at night. And so with the shroud of darkness as our setting here, this is the account from John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the temple ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So because he is a man who has a distinguished birth, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark. And can you imagine how shocked he must have been uh, when Jesus said to him, Nick, if you want to have a relationship with God, you must be born again. Now, why did Jesus say this to Nicodemus? Jesus never said You must be born again to anyone else in the gospel. You never said it to the woman at the well or the rich young ruler or anyone else. Why did Jesus say, you must be born again to Nicodemus? Because Nicodemus was counting on his physical birth to give him a relationship with God. Nicodemus was counting on his religious heritage and his religious morality to make him right with God. So you can imagine that shock of being told by Jesus, Nicodemus, uh, you were born to a nice family. Uh, You've had a very uh, religious upbringing since your birth. But when it comes to a relationship with God, it doesn't count. You must be born again. And even though it must have been hard for him to accept, Nicodemus became a believer in Jesus. And in a few moments, I'll show you how Nicodemus was born again and his life became a whole new story. And this gets to my all-time favorite memory in this room. My favorite memories in this room all center around times I've seen God use this room as a maternity ward. My favorite moments are the countless times I've seen God meet people in this room in a way that brings them to spiritual life so that they are born again. My favorite memories also include how 
past a point of just spiritual birth, God uses this room as a spiritual greenhouse for his children. And for 35 years, I've seen God meet people in this room in a way that touches every listening heart and transforms them to be more like Jesus over time. I know God has changed me in this room. I can point to certain places in this room where I know God met me, He convicted me, He challenged me, and empowered me to more and more become a little bit more like Jesus. Over the past 45 years, many have entered this room living sad stories of guilt and regret and separation from God. But among the many who have entered this room with a sad tale of defeat, thousands upon thousands have met Jesus here. And for each person who is born again, a life becomes a whole new story. So in this, my last message in this room, I'd like to study what Jesus means when he tells us that in order to have a relationship with God, we must be born again. When Jesus says, you must be born again, he is teaching at least four important truths. Truth number one, by be born again, Jesus is teaching the truth that it is possible to be physically alive and yet spiritually unborn. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, Nicodemus got the message that to God it didn't matter that he had been physically alive for 40 or 50 or 60 years doing his religious routine. Jesus was saying that when it came to a relationship with God, Nicodemus wasn't even born yet. And the same is true for us. Just because you are physically alive does not mean that you have a relationship with God. This is a simple truth, but it's also profound. Just because I'm alive physically does not mean I'm alive spiritually. As a uh, religious superstar, Nicodemus was confident that he knew God and he was dead wrong. He was physically alive, but he was dead to God. And just like Nicodemus, I need to base where I am with God on what Jesus says and not how long I've been alive doing what I think gets me to God. Which leads to the second important truth Jesus is teaching. Truth number two, by be born again, Jesus is teaching the truth that a person's spiritual birth has a definite beginning point in time. Like Nicodemus, many people think they have a relationship with God and they're wrong. They really don't. And many people who think they have a relationship with God will say things like, oh, I've always had a relationship with God or since the day I was born. God's always been a very big and important part of my life. Now, I know what they mean when they say this. They mean that just like Nicodemus, they grew up in an environment where God was an accepted fact and that various truths about God were well known. But when Jesus speaks about being born again, Jesus is talking about something altogether different. Being born again is not about 
knowing things about God. It is personally knowing God as his forgiven child. And this becoming a child born of God has a definite beginning point in time. So that no one can say, well, since the day I came into this world, I've had a relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean that all born-again people are aware of the exact beginning moment in their relationship with God. It doesn't mean that all born-again people know the exact time and date and place where they came alive spiritually. Sometimes it is such a gradual process that the person doesn't even know the exact point at which they came to life spiritually. But there is an exact point. And sometimes God is the only one who knows that moment when a person becomes his child. Some people know that moment very well. Uh, Some born-again people know the exact moment when they received God's forgiveness, the moment they were filled with God's Spirit, and how everything was suddenly different, how even colors seemed brighter. But not everyone knows that moment. For instance, I don't. But not remembering the day of my spiritual birth doesn't bother me. Because when it comes to my physical birth, I don't remember coming out of the womb either. Um, Just because I don't remember the moment that I was physically born does not mean I wasn't born. Uh, The same goes with spiritual birth. Remembering the moment of your spiritual birth doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you can prove to yourself that you are spiritually alive. That's right. Just like anyone who's been born physically can prove to themselves that they have been physically born, everyone who is born spiritually can prove it. I can prove that I was physically born, and my proof is that I grew up. My proof that I was physically born of my earthly father is that I have physically grown to look and sound more and more like my earthly father. And the same is true on a spiritual level. Those who are spiritually born grow over time to look and sound more and more like their heavenly father. And this is what Jesus means in verse 6 when he says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. People who are born of God's spirit begin to take on the spiritual qualities and the family traits of God himself, which leads to the third truth Jesus is teaching in his call to be born again. Truth number three, by be born again, Jesus is teaching the truth that like physical life, spiritual life is proven by growth over time. Jesus tells Nicodemus that it is possible for him to know whether or not he has been born again. And the proof is a changed life. Life transformation is the visible effect of the invisible spiritual uh, spirit of God. 
This is what Jesus means when he says in verse 8, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Here Jesus is using a word play. In both biblical languages, Hebrew and Greek, the word for wind and the word for spirit is the same word. And so Jesus compares the invisible spirit to the invisible wind. And he says, you cannot see the wind, but you know it's windy because you can feel it and you can see its effects. And Jesus says, it's the same way when you are born of the Spirit. You see his effects in your life. Now, what are those effects? Well, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says that these effects, he calls them the fruit of the Spirit. And they are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Just like physical birth is just the beginning of a physical growth process over time, so being born again is just the beginning point of a lifetime of growing up to be more like Jesus, growing more and more in the Spirit of God. The Gospel of John actually shows this growth process taking place in the life of Nicodemus. Nicodemus and his story doesn't end here in chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. Uh, Nicodemus is a member of the temple ruling council. And John chapter 7 records how at one of these council meetings, um, all the other Pharisees began mocking and slandering Jesus But Nicodemus speaks up, and he says, in effect, Hey, don't you guys think it's a little unfair to judge Jesus when you've never even had, oh, say, a conversation with him? Nicodemus doesn't come right out and say that he's a follower of Jesus, but he does stick up for Jesus as a secret believer. But then, in John chapter 19... Nicodemus makes a public stand with Jesus on the day when it was most dangerous to be a friend of Jesus. The Gospel of John records this amazing fact that after Jesus was beaten and shamed and tortured and humiliated and executed, Nicodemus is the one who takes Jesus' body off the cross prepares his body for burial, and places Jesus in the tomb. Do you see this amazing life change in Nicodemus? Nicodemus went from speaking to Jesus in the darkness in chapter 3 to speaking up for Jesus as a secret believer in chapter 7 to standing with Jesus in public at the cross in John chapter 19. On the day that Peter and James and John were all in hiding, Nicodemus stands with Jesus at the cross as a man who has been born again and whose life is a whole new story. And this Nicodemus process is on display every week for 45 years in this room. 
Every week in this room, Jesus meets with his followers who have come to spiritual life. And then gradually over time, he transforms us and gives us the power of increased courage and compassion and confidence so that we can reach out and make a difference in this world in his love and in his power. And this is my favorite memory of this room. But there's one more truth. Truth number four, by be born again, Jesus is teaching the truth that like physical birth, spiritual birth is always received, never earned. By telling Nicodemus that a relationship with God begins with being born again, Jesus was teaching That spiritual life is something we receive from the Heavenly Father, just like physical life is received from an earthly father. Is there anyone who has arranged their physical birth? Of course not. Physical birth is not something you work at. It's just something you receive. Is there anyone who has been born physically because of something good they did to deserve it? No. Of course not. No one ever did anything to deserve being born. Physical life is just a gift that is always received, never earned. Jesus says that spiritual life is the same thing. Becoming a child of God is not something you work at. It's not something you can earn. Being born again is a gift that is received from God, never earned. Nicodemus was a guy who knew the Bible backward and forward. He was a guy who had a strict religious routine. He was a guy who probably did many good works, but he was dead to God. Nicodemus learned that a spiritual life comes not as the result of works he could do, but spiritual life comes only as the result of receiving the work that Jesus did. Nicodemus' experience shows me how I can be born again. I must receive God's love and God's forgiveness through faith in what Jesus did on the cross for me. And in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just whisper a prayer to God, which might just be for you the beginning of a whole new story in your life. But before I get to that opportunity, I just want to speak to those of you here who... uh, are born again. You are a child of God. It is so sad how many who become God's child by just receiving his love, receiving his grace, then go from there trying to earn God's approval through religious routines and good performance. Every believer should be living a whole new story of freedom, where they experience the unconditional and complete love of God. And not, it's how sad it is that a believer would ever be cowering in guilt and shame and fear of God because they don't pray enough or they don't read the Bible enough or they don't share their faith enough or they don't do anything enough to earn God's love and approval. Well, when it comes to earning God's love and approval, if you're his child, it's too late. 
If you're God's child, he already completely, unconditionally loves you completely. He can't love you anymore by anything you do. And so as we come to communion, would you just let Jesus remind you, remind you of who you are to him, and let Jesus' truths about being born again push the reset button. Push the reset button in your heart in a way that makes your life a whole new story. Let's pray.